enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. So, yeah, we're, we're yeah. Hi, everybody. Hey. Let's make this official. Wow. Thank uh, Paul, thanks for setting everything up. <laughs> so, um, some of you might be wondering, you know, what right do these guys have to dissect any given movie or, you know, treasure piece of cinema? But... I was counting backstage, and Andrew and I have a collective 60 years worth of theater experience. Yeah. Not only on this Wait, stage. before you talk forever, can I do the intro? Yes. And then we can get into it? Absolutely. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. Ooh, that's Tim. Ooh, that's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together. We took off a different movie from the horror genre, from your well-known classic, down to that rare gem. That told their story to Murph Griffin 11 years ago, the back of your video store shelf. This week, we're wrapping up our big Fall King miniseries with the movie Misery here live at the Chicago Street Theater, where I, I believe we have like a 60, 60 years combined experience. I've heard that somewhere recently, yeah. Um, but we've also done our, our own things. Um, Andy has, you know, kind of climbed the ranks of stand-up and improv in Chicago. <laughs> I, of course, have done down. some modeling. And we combine <laughs> these, these talents together to, uh, to bring you this special podcast every week. Yeah, and it's a, yeah, if you haven't heard the show, uh, Tim and I, we do a different movie every week, like I just said. Uh, Tim has died in the wool, the love horror forever. I was not allowed to watch it as a child. So I moved on to pretentious films after that, but have wanted to get back into it so I bring a obnoxious, cynical view to the thing Tim loves. Sweet. I do. We've yeah. already nice fucked this slow, stage like up <laughs> way more than they would have wanted us to. Also, if I go to the bathroom five to six times throughout this episode, it's normal. <laughs> yeah. Really normal. Um, so, yeah, here we go. So, Tim, yes. I always start the, the show with a question. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Misery from 1990, the show we're doing, and that... Uh, Chicago Street Theater will be performing later tonight. Um, who do you think you're the number one fan of? That, or I should say, of whom are you the number one fan? Okay, that's... For our grammar. Yeah, that's fans. an excellent question. Um, well, there is a, a movie that is actually our namesake uh, called uh-huh. Slumber Party Massacre. And they chose to have... Uh, With TNA, but that's not in the title. Right, no, yeah. but it does have TNA. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, this movie, not so much. Um, but, uh, but there is a killer that is uh, leather-clad and uh, kind of has a, a Travolta look to him. And he has a guitar with a drill on the end of it. This is part two. Yeah, part two. Okay. Did you specify that? I, I did it. I, okay. fe- I felt like everybody already knew. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's, it's such a popular film. <laughs> and uh, I just absolutely am fascinated by this guy. And I, he really didn't go on to do much of anything else. I, I don't understand why. 
But, um, but yeah. Well, he's rich, so he doesn't really need to. Well, his dad actually started a pizza company in Detroit called Little Caesars. And so he didn't really have to do a whole lot in Hollywood. Uh, they also own um, the Detroit Red Wings and uh, somebody else. Oh, all right. So he's doing great. Yeah. He's doing I was worth, that's actually when I started looking him up a couple of years ago. I'm like, man, I hope this guy is okay. Like, he only did one movie. You know, I hope he's not struggling out there. He's not. No. Yeah. <laughs> His dad owns Little Caesars. Um, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. Like I, I don't really like things, a lot of things that other people like because I like, like, shitty things. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. Like, Not always. Yeah. I mean, a, a few other things. Now, there are, there are other things that I'm uh, naturally a fan of that a lot of people know. Johnny Depp, of course. Yeah. Um, Luke Perry. <laughs> Luke Perry, yeah, God rest him. God rest his soul. Yeah, the Go-Go's, actually. Huge fan of the Go-Go's. And I actually met them in Maryville. And uh, they played a show in Maryville. Yeah. And I hung around after the concert, just, you know, wanting to say hi. And uh, their bus actually powered down. And I realized, oh, my God, they're actually staying here in Maryville. So I went inside, and the Go-Go's were just hanging out at the bar. In Maryville, Indiana, and they were awesome. Belinda wasn't there, which, um, you know, you can't really just do cocaine out in front of everybody, you know. <laughs> she had her own room, I'm sure. But, <laughs> um, for. but yeah, no. Um, what's it look like? What's a crazy thing you've done as a fan? Well, any obnoxious or uh, apart from the regular Facebook? Stalking. Yeah, when I when I was in when I was in third grade, I was all set to. I was a big Michael Jackson fan, and I was all set to send a picture of myself to Michael Jackson uh, as a third grader. And uh, true story. <laughs> yeah. And my mom. He was your number one fan then. <laughs> Just. I don't know what my mom knew or what she sensed, but she's like, I don't really think he needs a picture of you at this age. And I was like. All right, that's fine. Um, but no, yes, I have spoken with Johnny Depp's father uh, on the phone. Very, very nice gentleman. And uh, he was uh, somebody that I just found by, you know, looking somebody up and calling a whole bunch of people and not stopping until I got there. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't really have, there wasn't a word stalking at that time. Like, it wasn't a thing. It well, was, yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, it might have been a thing. But yeah. yeah. I mean, it was right. It wasn't, it wasn't like a little kid. Yeah. Was legal at that time, but uh, yeah, really nice guy. Um, now you and I—you couldn't run for a Congress on it yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now you and I, of all things, uh, because we mentioned him a lot on this show, you and I encountered a famous person together, and we were frozen. Oh yeah, absolutely frozen by the majesty. A man we have maligned. Several times. Oh, I have literally, like, if he wasn't already dead, I've called for his death on this show, I think. Yeah. Um, rest his soul. We were frozen with sheer panic and just starstruckedness with Gene Siskel. Yeah. Standing in front of us. Yeah. And I don't know if I was so starstruck because of, you know, the actual at the movie show, but to know that actually he, of all people, owned... The John Travolta white suit from Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, that was all we could think Which of to talk to him about. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what we were gonna. We were like, should we? So instead of talking to him, we just not stalked, just followed him out. Right. Just followed very closely behind him, 
I guess in hopes he'd turn around and be like, do you guys need something? Right. Give us that opening. And then we would be like, yeah, you know that suit in your closet? <laughs> you know the one that we know about. Um, yeah. No, but, um, yeah, I just, you know, the older that I get, though, like, fame doesn't seem to have the same sort of, you know, just desirability that it once had. Yeah. It's a lot of, like, people dying alone in hotel rooms, and it's like, eh, maybe not so much, you know? <laughs> um, not to say that it might not be worth it, you know? Yeah, the right now it seems to be the easiest time to get famous. Yeah, you, you don't have to get famous for anything, yeah. Yeah. I do a cooking TikTok. I don't. Well, you should. Should I? Right. <laughs> um, I will not be much help. No. Yeah, I don't. Have you ever cooked? I don't grocery shop. Oh, you don't even shop. Yeah, no, I don't. All right. No. Yeah, I don't understand any of that. Yeah. <laughs> People will do it for you. Like, why would you do it for yourself? <laughs> this guy's job, like literally, his job in life is to make my food for me. What What place do I have? You know, getting in the way. Of I this? think you're describing a restaurant. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, that might be his dream. Who yeah. I did so you go so day. infrequently, you don't even know the difference yeah. between a restaurant and a grocery store. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here we go. Um, so, uh, misery. Yeah. Just jump into it. Yeah, we're kind of on a little bit of limited time. Yeah, normally we just talk about absolutely nothing for much longer. Um, yeah, let's just jump into it. Okay. We can talk about it. So this is misery. These are just some facts that I pull off of Wikipedia, so... Uh, I don't get them wrong. Uh, so this uh, film, Mer- Misery, from 1990, was written by William Goldman, directed by Rob Reiner, I'd forgotten about. This is, we'll get into more of that later. Yeah. It stars James Caan, Kathy Bates, and Richard Farnsworth. Uh, let's do Nan Sum, and then we'll get into some spoilers. Nan Sum is a segment we do. Uh, my wife does not like watching these movies, and, but she is very supportive and wants to listen. She's like, I don't know what happens in these movies. Yeah, round of applause for my uh, wife, for Nan. So let's do Nan some. Uh, Paul Sheldon is a writer who's built a career on the back of a successful series of books featuring his popular protagonist, Misery Chastain. Hoping to launch a post-misery career, Paul has just completed a new manuscript in his secluded room in in Silver Creek, Colorado. However, on his way to his publisher, he's caught a blizzard and drives off the road and is left for dead. Thankfully, he's saved by Annie Wilkes. A nurse who tends to his wounds and just happens to be his number one fan. But soon after Annie reads the just-released Misery novel, where her favorite character dies, she shows her true colors as a raving lunatic. She holds Paul hostage and forces him to write a new novel, bringing back the character she loves, uh, motivating Paul through a series of torturous acts and mutilations. Now Paul must write for his life as he seeks a way to escape before Annie goes over the edge and he suffers the same fate as the titular misery. There you go. Oh, oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you are tasked with writing those. Yeah. I just get to well, show Well, yeah, normally I type it up, and I'm like, I'm just bringing, because I actually did notes uh, for the movie, which I normally don't do, so that I uh, don't, I wanted to come prepared a little bit. I appreciate that. But it was the first time I did the write-up. Normally I can just go in and edit anything. But t- way too lazy handwriting and editing. No, yeah, thank you. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. After 137 episodes, I appreciate you showing up. Yeah, oh, thank that's you. great. Yeah, thank you. Uh, no. Yeah, because you, you normally do the research. That's uh, true. How much did you do for this movie? You know, I, I got so <laughs> caught up in the visualness of it all. No, I'll tell you, I, I do actually, it, it's kind of an interesting background to this. So Stephen King... Um, 
got in, himself into a bit of an appetite for cocaine. So much so that he literally does not remember writing one page of Cujo, one of his most successful books. Literally has no memory of writing that whatsoever. So this book, this story, the name is literally the, the mental state that he was in at the time. He was miserable. He was addicted to cocaine. He was drinking you know, copious amounts of coarse light, literally shoving um, Q-tips up his nose to keep his nose from bleeding. And, uh, but yet being a successful writer, and he felt sort of trapped because this drug was fueling his writing, but yet he knew that it was also destroying him. So he actually, if, if you watch the film, it may be hard to believe, but the character of Annie Wilkes, played by Kathy Bates, is cocaine. Like, that is what she represents. Now, the funny thing is, is, if you asked me to imagine what I would think the human embodiment of cocaine would look like, it'd be the exact opposite of Kathy Bates. Yeah, it'd be like Adrian Brody. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah he's well-suited for it, yeah, I suppose. I mean, oh, come on. We're <laughs> <laughs> in public now, you can't make jokes like right, that. Right, right. <laughs> um, oh, also, uh, I just I want to make sure that we don't miss this. If anybody feels like, here I am up here drinking right in front of you, if anybody does feel like they want to meander out and grab a quick drink, you're welcome to do that, by the way. Yeah, use yeah. the bath. Tim will show you how to use the bathroom in the middle of the show. <laughs> yes, yeah. Just a couple times in case you don't get it the first time. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, I, I mean, when I picture cocaine, I picture like, I don't know. Um, Snow? Like a, Snow? Yeah, yeah. that's a good, Snow. yeah. Which they do have in this movie. Yeah. Guy Fieri, everybody. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you for being here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, maybe that is a little bit of uh, a little bit of metaphor there. Yeah, uh, oh, guy can be fiery. Oh yeah, represents cocaine. Yeah, right. I'd say more so. Yeah, is it because yeah. of the hair. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, you're a thinner version of guy fiery, so definitely yeah, represent cocaine. Really High energy. Cocaine. Yeah, <laughs> we were worried about you for a second, but yeah, you look great after all the blow. Thanks. Thank you. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but no. Um, so he he sets out to write this book as a metaphor for, for his addiction. And, um, you know, I think, it's, I think it's really successful for him because, and I don't know where, where to start with this, but I'm not sure if you could make this movie now. And the reason for that is, is that when we were all younger, there was such a thing as crazy. Like, you didn't need, the, like, a huge backstory. Like, you could go, like, your friend's watching a horror movie, you could go sit down and be like, Oh, who's the bad guy? And your buddy says, oh, it's that person right there. Oh, what's wrong with him? He's crazy. Well, enough. That's enough. You don't need any more backstory. But in this day and age, when you look at Annie Wilkes, obviously there is a very clear mental disorder that's happening. Yeah. So it's like, are we allowed to have bad guys anymore? Oh. You know what I mean? Great question. Yes, we are. Well, I hope as so. long as their mental illness isn't the villain, it's okay. Okay, so yeah. Like, well, I hope that. Look at is. Kanye West. He's a villain right now because he's not taking his medication. It's not because he has a mental uh, problem or a, what do they call that? Uh, mental problem. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's you know, it could be avoided, but yeah. he's choosing not to. And so Annie Wilkes, in the same way, uh, probably didn't have the. Uh, resources and uh, therapy and medications that we would today. But she, but all you gotta do is be like, she's not taking them. And, that, and now it's fine. 
Okay, that works. Yeah, but then she electively is not taking her. Does that then? Does that then warrant her being killed, though? Well, yeah, she tortures someone for four months. Yeah, but she didn't mean it. <laughs> and how, how about this? Now, this is a question. Okay, we all know that for those of you who have seen the film, which uh, by a show of hands, how many of you have seen Misery? Okay, that's excellent. Okay. So there's a car crash, right? Now, this literary genius, and I use genius lightly, decides to go up into the snowy mountains of Colorado, Yeah. which as a kid, didn't, did we used to say Colorado around here? I didn't. I think we got a regional accent. I think we said Colorado, which sounds just awful. But uh, I've evolved. It's Colorado. And he drives a 65 Mustang into snow-capped mountains. Now, <laughs> rear-wheel drive, lightweight car, what did you think was going to happen? So he gets in this accident. He's upside down. He's unconscious. If Annie doesn't find him, yeah. can we agree on the fact that he yes. dies out there? Yeah. 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 Or sleeps well. Yeah. How bad could she be, really? I mean, aside from... <laughs> this is a like, hot take. I don't yeah. know if I'm no, ready I, for She's questioning. I mean, yeah, good point. If he doesn't get saved, he dies. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have no story. But you sure. could say that about a lot of... Stories, if something happens that doesn't push the story forward, it well, ends. that's true. Yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, now, here's a question. Uh, I, I don't know. Have you ever broken a bone before? I've, I've fractured my foot. That's as close okay. as I've gotten. This is close, then. Has anyone out here ever broken their leg before? You have? One. Okay. Where did, where did you break it? Uh, fibula in my, my ankle. I know exactly where that is, yeah. <laughs> Uh, down somewhere. It's down there. Oh, down there. Broken up here, tore my ankle. So here's here's my thought process. If your leg breaks, I would imagine that that would hurt so badly. I'd like to think that the brain eventually just stops. Like after two or three minutes, that you just don't feel anything, or does it just hurt for forever? Yeah. Is that how you're? Some people would go in shock. No, I just fractured my foot. I was my mom didn't even believe me that I had anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> It was a whole day where I'm like, I still can't walk on this. Yeah. She's like, well, okay, we'll go check it out. Yeah. You've got a spare. Yeah. Yeah. That's my mom. Um, yeah. Some, you know, that's, I, I was a liar, so I don't blame her for not believing me. That's what you get. I'm sure there was something I was trying to get out of anyway. Yeah. We'll put a karma there. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so that's the thing, though. Like, I'm just wondering just how excruciating. Has anyone broken their arm before? Oh my god, this is the, like the luckiest yeah, group of wow. people that we've ever seen in our lives. Wolverines in here. <laughs> ah! But yeah, I just... <laughs> uh, yeah, and how, did it hurt bad? Oh yeah. Yeah, like it, did, like it didn't stop hurting? No. Okay. But how? That's terrible. Yeah. But how? Oh yeah. My, my it's the how. Yeah, how did you did break you? yourself? My, no, my brother kicked me. Oh, oh. And I blocked it with my forearm and boom. Oh, he kicked oh. you. Oh. Okay. Yeah. But you blocked it though. Yeah. That counts for something. Worth it. Yeah. 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 Were you waxing on? Waxing on. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> Thank you for not saying were you waxing off. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the shock the shock would uh, put him in. I mean, I, I will say it's great she's a nurse, but from how much she says his legs are broken, there's no way those were set properly. 
I'm gonna say he has in a in a real situation, he's gonna have some extensive issues with his legs. They look awful. Yeah. Great makeup work on the legs, the puffy. I'd imagine that was since you have bandages at the knees, classic movie. Yeah, just the legs are bent and fake legs. Why don't they market those like snow boots? Just like the Paul Sheldon boots, like you just pull them all. Oh yeah, yeah. you can like already look. Like, yeah, yeah, like pre-frostbitten leg yeah. look. Right. Yeah, I'd buy those. People would be like, "Look at that badass with his broken <laughs> legs and his frostbite." <laughs> um, yeah. No. So um, speaking of Paul, uh, the character of Paul uh, had a long list of very, very famous actors uh, who were in line to play it, who were asked to play it. Some of them multiple times. And just from memory, we've got uh, Warren Beatty. Yeah. Uh, we've got... Uh, I believe it was, Yep. Uh, Al Pacino. Robert, Robert De, Niro. De Niro. I've read Nicholson. Um, Literally and, any leading man. Yes. From the actors. 80s, early yeah. 90s was asked. Yes. And, uh, Paul Newman? No, I don't think Maybe Paul. Um, but uh, William Hurt? Yes. He was asked twice. twice. Yeah. yeah. So they, nobody is wanting to do it because they don't want to do a movie where they get their feet cut off. And I think that if, if they had known that it was just going to be the hobbling, if they, had, if they had known that they were going to change it to that, and they changed it because somebody in that line of actors actually suggested the fact that even if he survives and he beats Annie, yeah. you know, he survives and ultimately overcomes her, that if he's missing his feet... Is it both feet that get cut off? No, just book? one. Just one. Okay. Yeah, and the book. Have you anyone read the book? Ah, couple. All right. Uh, you can. Yeah, you can yell. Yeah, it's okay. Um, uh, yeah, he gets one foot absolutely cut off with an axe. Yes, which is the imagery from the the movie imagery. Now is the sledgehammer, but the book imagery was an axe. And the thing is, like, a lot of actors just looked at that and they're like, I don't want to ultimately play a guy that even if he wins, he's you know, footloose. So they're just like, no. Ironically, like, they didn't ask Kevin Bacon. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, although everybody was somehow connected to him that they did. Exactly. Um, also like, in the book, I do remember from the book, that's like the one part of the book I remember. Misery was a book that I read, and it also has a bunch of interludes of him writing the new Misery book. I skipped all those. I don't know what happened in those, which I feel justified because the movie blows over it as well in three minutes. Um, but in the book, when she cuts his leg, all she does is just takes like a bottle of iodine and pours it on his ankle. And then, wow. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Um, obviously, a severed limb is, is a big deal. But at the end of the day, isn't there something like a little worse about the hobbling somehow? Like it just visually, I think it's, I don't know, I think that's even more effective. I mean, yeah, as far as a visual yeah. thing, yeah, watching it, yeah. Because, yeah, you cut the foot off, then it's almost like it's over now. Yeah. Like, there's no coming back. But, man, thinking of all the therapy he has to go through. Right. And the surgeries. So, and, and we do have a, uh, a doctor in the audience, Dr. Brian, friend of the show. So, if a, if a foot were to be broken in the way that it's depicted in the film... To where literally from just above the ankle, it's completely broken at an almost 90 degree angle. What level of therapy are we looking at for that? Like how devastating of that is Lifetime? that? No clue. No clue. 
He mainly works. He's a urologist. Yeah, he mainly works with broken penises. So, like, if someone's penis was broken, yeah, at a ninety degree angle, do you get a lot of sledgehammer penis injuries? I only know the name of six bones. Oh, yeah. none of them in the penis, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Ironic. Like that. Literally, I have nothing to do with. It. Wow. So was that a class that well, you no, took, and you're like, am I even going to need to know this? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. interesting. <laughs> Either way, it looks bad. Yeah. It does. Um, here's a funny thing. Like, the, at the time that this movie was made, there's a couple of interesting things here, some of them technical, some of them just sort of character-driven. If the internet had existed okay. when, this, when Annie, as a character, was alive, yeah. she might have been fine. <laughs> no. Like if she just had some people to talk to, don't you think? No, I think it would have gone the other way, Tim. I think she would have gotten way worse. Oh, had had a vehicle to find more people to. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. Geez. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's rough. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe her isolation does play into uh, her craziness. Let's just lay it out on the table. Let's not. She's crazy. Tiptoe around it. Yeah. Yeah. She is crazy. And now here's something kind of interesting. I said from a technical standpoint. In 1990, or probably 89 when this was filmed, nobody really expected you to be able to clearly pause your screen. And let me tell you just how lazy some of the prop people were for this film. There's a section of the movie where Paul has worked his way out of the room, and he finds her scrapbook, and he's flipping through her scrapbook. If you pause on those newspaper articles, you'll see that the first paragraph might be Annie Wilkes graduated summa cum laude from yada, yada, yada. And then the second paragraph, Annie Wilkes graduated from yada, yada. It's a, literally, it's just they use the same paragraph over and over and over to make it look like a whole newspaper article. Yeah. But they never thought we were going to notice that. No. Yeah. Which I'm glad that you paused it because I was like, oh, maybe this will be a fun spot where they... Because you could use that as well as a... We can drop fun Easter eggs, maybe things from the book, maybe, you know... Backstage stuff, but no, they just went the lazy route. Yeah, no, it's common. It's common. It is common. Yeah. Uh, by by, uh, I don't know. Union. Anything with a newspaper in any movie is the same newspaper. No matter if you look twenty years ago or today, it's the same newspaper. Yesterday's news. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean by it's the same newspaper? Like the they same. just print the same thing and oh. put it in every movie because it's accepted by every union. Oh. Oh. So that might be what's in that movie. Oh. Well, I think they should try harder. <laughs> uh, Man, another example of ruin, unions ruining everything. Yeah. Not my view, not my view. I'm sorry if you're a member of the union. So let's talk about Kathy Bates. She's in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, big round of applause for Kathy Bates. Came out of fucking nowhere for this movie. And would you have liked to have seen instead who was all lined up to play this role but actually turned it down? Bette Midler. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which would have been kind of cool. Like, I mean, I wouldn't want to trade it. I could see it. I wouldn't want to trade it. But right. it would be neat to yeah. see. Yeah, because she's a good actress. I like yeah. Bette Midler. Sure. And yeah, she would have been. Yeah, yeah. 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 Drowning Mama? Yeah. Also, before before we get too much further, I want to introduce, because I'm glad that we're participating with the audience here, and I I love hearing the feedback. Um, Because this is recorded, this is not, uh, you know, it's not visual, it's just audio. Uh, You know, you're not going to, you don't have to worry about your identity or anything. Um, When I give a hand signal, we'll cut this part out. When I give a hand signal, when I go like this, 
okay? Yeah, I, I want you to yell, fuck yeah! <laughs> Are you willing to do that? You yeah. should have started fuck with yeah. that before we <laughs> did this. Well, thing. yeah, but it, it's never too late. I mean, it's, it's that good of a bit. Okay, so we're gonna, let, let, we're gonna try it here real quick. Andrew. Yeah. I was at the grocery store yesterday. Oh, they first time? Yes, actually, I thought I'd try it. And you know, they had a sale on Easy Cheese. Fuck oh, yeah! Wow. Beautiful, thank you, that's perfect, that's perfect. Um, He'll never remember to do that through the rest yeah. of the show. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> never on sale. <laughs> There's a guy who goes to the grocery store. So yeah, Beth Hitler was going to play the role. Uh, she didn't, and it was actually Kathy Bates had, had been making the rounds on Broadway. And uh, it was, you know, they were trying to decide who to come up with, and it was the producer, I think, that mentioned her name to Rob Reiner. And he was like, yeah, I've seen her in some plays. She's, she's great. So they call her in. They have her read, like, two lines, and Rob stops her, and he's like, you, you don't have to read. Like, you, you are a great actress. We want you for this. Would you like the role? And she said, yes. And she said, can I ask you a question? And he said, sure. She said, can I call my mother? Which I think is very sweet, you know, very endearing. Yeah. And so she got the role. But yeah, literally, if we think back to the time that this came out, did any of us know who Kathy Bates was? No. She not, had done, not to say that she hadn't done She had done like two movies. She was in a couple that year. She played a, a secretary in Dick Tracy. That year, which is why Warren Beatty couldn't do the movie, was because production on Dick Tracy went long. Wise choice. Uh, yeah. Oh, we're famous for our tangents. I got a tangent real quick. Sure. Uh, Dick Tracy. Dick, uh, so Warren Beatty uh, owned the rights to Dick Tracy, and the movie. You didn't like the movie? No. Did you say terrible? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> it was. You right. might yeah. want to revisit it. It's one of those. It might be good. Anyway, um, but so he owned the rights to that. And yeah, the movie did not do as well as he wanted with the marketing, but he still wanted those rights. So sometimes when you owe the rights to something, you have to produce something with those rights. That's why they made a lot of bad, like Fantastic Four movies and just any, they have to chug these movies out so that they are using the rights so they don't give up the rights. So Warren Beatty did a like 15 minute TV interview with, um, uh, some older um, interview guy, I can't remember who it was specifically now, but one of the older, like, not Dick Cavett, but like that kind of talk show host guy, as Dick Tracy. He just did like an interview with him in character as Dick Tracy, oh, no. and that satisfied him maintaining the rights for however many more years after that. Wow. Yeah. That's how fucked up the movie industry is. Was that the one with Madonna? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, she played a character named 88. No, or Manny Patinkin played 88, because he was the piano player. That's how many keys are on a piano. What was the uh, dripping wax on the nipples Madonna movie? Uh, Body of Evidence? Yes, yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody else familiar? <laughs> no, just us. Uh, check it out. With Willem Dafoe? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, a, and a pause button, yeah. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> But no, she does a phenomenal job. Here's the thing, like, it's not just, it would be so easy to play this role and just have two modes, like that that quirky little, goofy, innocent, um, just, you know, full of life personality that she has, or just the full-on anger. But if you notice, she's got those shades in between, mm -hmm. especially when she kind of thinks something's up, but she loves him so much and she's so devoted to Paul that she kind of goes along with it. 
But the worst, the creepiest, isn't even when she's screaming or yelling. It's that vacancy that she has. Mm -hmm. When she gets into that where she just disconnects from the situation. And it's haunting. And you realize if you go back and you look at those newspaper ads or those articles, you'll see that her dad died when she was 11. Um, her husband left her. So obviously there's a fear of abandonment there. So she's, she's struggling with that. She's got some sort of, it's probably, I think I read that it was borderline personality disorder with uh, schizoid. Oh, she's so, crazy? Oh yeah, she, uh, yeah, like legit <laughs> crazy. Yeah, like literary crazy. Um, and uh, so, yeah, there's, there's like a, there's a reasoning there that it all makes sense that she doesn't want him to leave. And it's the creepiest damn, forget the foot, the creepiest moment in this movie is when she has her gun. Yeah. And she just so blankly says, I think I might put bullets in it. And it's like, what do you say to that? Right. Like, please don't. Well, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that'd, be a, that'd be a good lead. In. Yeah. Uh, you could start with that. <laughs> the please is the most important. Right. Um, but the thing is, I want to talk a little bit about one thing. And, and I don't, it, it, the movie is wonderful. But the one thing that I noticed is that it's a little episodic which is kind of an outdated thing now. Filmmakers have sort of corrected that over the years, but you get a lot of Annie walks into a room, Annie does something crazy Annie style, cut to Paul looking a little concerned, cut to the mountains, next scene. Annie goes into the room, does something crazy, yeah. and Paul's concerned, cut to the mountains. But I think that that might be, I think you could justify that by maintaining the, or trying to um, push the isolation of it. Yeah. Well, we get cuts with the, the, the father, or Jesus, the husband and wife, the sheriff oh, and that's his wife. True. That's true. Uh, yeah. Richard Farnsworth and, um, oh, I didn't write down her name. He's wonderful. But He's both great. Yeah, both of them are fantastic. What was it? Oh, Richard Farnsworth is fabulous. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, Richard Farnsworth is great. But, but if we're talking about fabulous, let's talk about that character for a second. Now, I'm no genius, but... If you look at Annie's trail of murders, all right, and she, some of it takes place outside of their hometown, over on the East Coast. But the one that she actually went to trial for was in Colorado. So if you have a missing person in your town, and you're this sort of instinctive, like, homegrown sheriff in town, wouldn't you maybe, as a first step, say, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to go check in with the reported serial killer that we have in town. See if they've got their ear to the ground and yeah. heard anything. Well, there are no babies killed, so well, it was yeah. like, couldn't have been the dragon lady. Right. Her name was the dragon lady. And what's that? I was trying to piece that together. Can you, can you find a connection there between killing babies and dragons? No, I think just, you know, both are seemed really, or looked poorly upon. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure the dragons killed. I mean, now, them. yeah, this is before Game of Thrones, before people were like, actually, yeah. dragons are kick ass. Like, dragons were scary and big, and so were baby murderers. Yeah, by the way, there was there was a time where playing D and D and being into like fantasy and dragons, you were crucified for. Now it's like you're the most popular kid in school. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, but it's good though. I guess Sorry, Jim. Yeah, but some of us suffer. <laughs> uh, but no, another thing I was not allowed to do as a child: play D and D. Really? Yeah. You would have loved it. We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. I would have loved it. Yeah. You Didn't even grow up in a religious household. Just uh, got wrapped up in satanic panic. Yeah. yeah. That was a thing. It sure was. 
I'll tell you what, now some of you might know this, this is crazy uh, from a previous episode. I actually, that satanic panic was so prevalent that I, there was a, a house in town that was reported to have like a gathering of Satanists. And as a, I think, 11, 12 year old, um, my friends and I all just kind of did the round robin thing where I'm spending the night at your house, you're spending the night at my house, we're all just together and, you know, wandering the streets. And I literally had a loaded gun with me to kill Satanists. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. I, I, should, I should tell you that. I, I've never killed anyone. I really haven't. Um, but we were just kids. Like, we just thought that, like, Satanists were these, like, like this ultimate evil that had to be stopped. And then yeah. we had to save our town. It worked. But when, like, Lost Boys comes out, you're like, well, we got to do this. Like, yeah. this is our job, you know? got to protect my town. Yeah. I shot it. I mean, I just shot it into the air. When you're, you're not going to, like, have a loaded gun as an 11-year-old and not shoot it. Right. You know? But not at any. That you know of. Yeah, yeah. Because arcs. Anybody hang gliding? Yeah. yeah. Nothing like that. Sorry. <laughs> no, it just went up into space and it's still going, Tim. Yeah, it's fine. Right. It's fine. Didn't drop anywhere. You're good. Yeah. Did you know Kathy Bates? Let me ask you this. You probably know this because I talked to you about it before the show, so I should really just say this to the audience. Uh, Kathy Bates, when she started, yeah, she did a lot of theater, but when she moved out to L.A., Crazy the uh, tight-knit group she was involved in. She lived out there with her husband at the time, and she was friends with an actress named Frances McDormand, uh, who would go on to great success. So they became roommates. So, of course, Frances brings along the guy she's seeing and his brother, the Cohen brothers, uh, and then they bring along their best friend that they're working with, Sam Raimi, and they all live together in, like, one big house. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, yeah, Sam Raimi, the Coen brothers, Francis Norman, and Kathy Bates all lived together and then all went on to insane success. Like, Sam Raimi is the least successful out of that group. That's pretty good. It's a good group. But the fact that they couldn't, like, combine their powers when they all lived together. It was I actually know. when they left each other that anything actually happened. They got close because Sam Raimi wrote Hudsucker Proxy. And I believe that maybe Francis Dorman wasn't in that one. I know Kathy Bates was not. But yeah, that would have been that would have been the powerhouse of all of them working together. Was that was everyone's there, favorite Cohen Brothers movie, The Hudsucker Proxy. <laughs> yeah. It is my favorite. Yeah. As a as a horror fan, it's really high up on my list. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen it, I'm sure. Is there any nudity in that? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Jennifer Jason Lee is in it, though. Yeah, I did see it. Oh, she's, yeah, she's a good actor. Yeah, he's black her, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, from, um, we just covered her in The Hitcher. Yeah. Yeah, so you should check it out. Yeah. you raved about her <laughs> she's in that. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's excellent. She plays a hot, you know, 50s or little 30s reporter. She talks like this the whole time. Is that how everybody talked back then? Well, sure it is. And why would you just start talking like that? <laughs> it's very fun. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad that we don't anymore. Oh, yeah. That would be like excruciating to listen to. We should just do an entire podcast talking like that. Uh, so here's a, here's a question. Do you think that this movie is a horror film or a thriller? Thriller. Thriller? Thriller. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Great point. Why not both? Why not both? Why not both? Okay. There are horror elements to this. Sure. Sure. You're trapped. She's, you know, he's bedbound. He's uh, strapped down. Never really handcuffed. 
She should have got some handcuffs. Well, yeah. But you never know what's happening. You know, when she enters a room, you don't know who's entering that room. You know, you don't know which version of Annie you're going to get. Well, Unless she's standing dead pale-faced over you with a syringe. Yeah, that's terrifying. And it's the, the restraint on Stephen King's part to, like, not insert, like, an ancient Indian burial ground. Yeah. Like, right. my God, that yeah. guy just, he's got to have some tie to some ancient, you know, magics or something yeah. like that. There was no child spewing out 50s lingo. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, no, like, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. a 50s song that, like, starts every chapter, like, those two lyrics, you know? Right, right. Um, yeah, no, he really went just uh, stripped down for this. But I think it works. And think about how hard of a sell that would be. Like, I've got, and he describes himself, Paul does, as a slum kid. So we've got a, a kid that grew up on the streets, um, probably had to, to work for everything that he got. And you've got this, you know, it doesn't matter, man or woman, but this rural person living up in the mountains. And she is going to overcome him. Like, that's a hard sell. Not Again, not because of gender, but just because of, you would think like, oh, if he's a tough street kid, like he'd be able to get out of anything. But the question is, he goes to this great effort with these, these pills, right? To like empty out these pills and try to sedate her. Who here thinks that maybe he should have led with the knife? Like, go <laughs> grab the knife first. And I'll tell you something. Now, this is a little, it's a little, uh, you know, off color, but... I've actually seen a video. It doesn't take much to cut somebody with a knife, and literally they're dead in, in two minutes. I've seen a video of it. Uh, it was a fight in the mall, and this guy is approaching. It was kind of his own fault. He was approaching a guy who had a knife, and the guy just goes like this. Just like that. And you see the guy. Tim is slinging his, his wrist for those listening at home. What's that? Just a slight flick of your wrist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't Watch do that out, on purpose or anything. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so this guy gets his like neck just like, like uh, quick slit. And he literally he holds his hand up and then he puts his other hand on it. And then he looks at his hands, he goes to his knees, and literally, you, you, he's dead. Yeah. And so it, it wouldn't have taken much for him to just... Well, you got to hit the right, right, Doc? I don't know how much you know about veins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just where where do you want to cut on the penis to really get a lot of veins? No, an artery will bleed very fast. It does not have to be a very big artery. Right. Okay. Very fast. Okay. So, yeah, he might probably got an artery, Nick. Yeah, that's all it would take. Yeah. Well, that's a carotid artery. It's right off the heart. You're, okay. You, that's a high pressure. Huge. Okay. You're going to lose your blood volume. Oh, and, all right. It's not your show. Uh, <laughs> no, I appreciate your no. I just I give my friend a hard time. But isn't, you know, if we're talking about choices here, though, like he worked so hard to get that medicine into that cup. And again, forget the foot scene. It's that when she knocks over that glass yeah. of wine is the biggest And I thing. like there's no... Like, she might be hip to what's going on. It's purely just a fucking accident that ruins his entire plan. And then the toast immediately after, to misery. Like, so, and he's just like, oh, yeah. God damn it. Well, and, and he does... But he didn't have time to get... He saw the knife. Yeah. Did he have the knife? Didn't, he didn't grab it yet, did he? Oh, yeah. Well, oh, no, I don't earlier, remember. yeah. I mean, earlier when he okay. was in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He had access to it. And the thing was, he's going to, like, check the doors. What are you going to do? I mean, literally, what are you going to do? Even if it's like 80 degrees and sunny out there, what are yeah. you going to do? 
But uh, but I guess that's what you would try to do. Yeah, you wouldn't jab the doors to try and get out I, of the house. Yeah, actually, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, You're a true fighter. I'm a runner. I would definitely find the <laughs> closest unlocked outside door and use that. Yeah, I would just demonstrate how I have the power to, like, punch through the door. <laughs> yeah. Look at this, Annie. Um, yeah, fuck you! <laughs> fuck yeah! <laughs> uh, that is like the gratification in my martial arts like abilities that I've been looking for my whole life. Uh, thank you so much for that. Samurai Sunday. Yes, I do remember. Yeah. <laughs> on uh, what was that? It was on was that USA or? Oh God. Yeah. Was it called that? Yeah. Well, well, it was well, there was Kung Fu Theater, and I think there might have been Samurai Sunday. Uh, yes, well, definitely yeah. Samurai Sunday. I have no idea what channel it was on. Yeah, but it was cool. There was only like four channels. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we've talked about like the amount of channels that we had. Now, here's the thing: we had two, five, and seven, yeah. right? Do we not have nine at that point? Well, we did, but that was not a major network. Okay. We only had three networks, and then affiliates, and then thirty, and, and then the UHF, the like knob underneath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is also different. Right. Yeah, because you had nine, eleven. You want to find Betty Hill. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I liked in that dinner scene when she's like. I put a little spam in the ground beef, and his like, ah, like his his interest ah. Does anybody here like spam? Fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! Me too. I, I, I love it, and uh, actually, literally, I went for like thirty five years of my life without ever tasting it, and then when I did, I'm like, I don't know what's in here other than salt, but it is fantastic. Salt and Red Bull. Yeah, Red Bull. <laughs> I like yeah. If it makes you go fuck yeah, it has to have Red Bull. Yes. Um, yeah, red, yeah it does, you just have to add Red Bull to anything. Absolutely. Is it true that that's extract of bull's testicles? Oh. Taurine. I've heard that that's what taurine is. Yeah, it works. Doc, doc says no. No? No. Okay. It's an amino acid. Well, in, in my experience... Uh, bull's by marketing again. In my experience with bull's testicles, it feels like that. Yeah. Um, so, at the end of the day... <laughs> At the end of the day, um, when Paul ultimately, because let's get this right here, at the end of this film, not only does he escape Annie's grasp, not only does he end up writing a book, but it ends up being what he feels and what is probably going to be his largest success. Like it's like, like if they had published like that is what, like he not only wrote a book like maybe the one that he had to burn would have been okay yeah but the one that he ended up writing was just that that much better yeah. and he does hint a little bit about maybe her having a hand in that but at the end of the day I, I still find myself thinking like maybe he owes a bit of a debt of gratitude to Annie <laughs> it, 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 was a, it was a long way around to get there you know with the the foot mangling right but at the end of the day it's kind of a weird story you think he thought that was a good work that he made the, um the one that actually gets published at the end oh yeah that he's talking oh. about with his publisher oh, she's like, okay sorry at, i missed you saying like that. a pulitzer whatever. i thought you meant the book that he had to write for her no you know what i get the impression that that wasn't good for some reason yeah again i don't know if it was good or not kind of felt i skipped that part in the yeah. book I didn't read it, so yeah. I don't even know how good that part was. So here's a funny thing about this movie and in relation to our podcast. There is no nudity in it. No. No sex. No. No blood. Um, BG. There's some blood. 
Is it PG? I have no idea. No. No. Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah, there's a lot of swearing, because, like yeah. cock-a-dooty and dirty bird. Poop. Yeah, poop. She does call him a cocksucker at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we've yeah. all got that inside of us when yeah. our backs are against the wall. No matter how much you are trying not to swear. You can bleep that out. <laughs> think about cocksucker. Can we not say that in here? No, think about how long she was. was in the pillow man, for crying out loud. I can say cocksucker. She had to just be sitting on that cocksucker for years. <laughs> right. Like, just waiting. Like, just waiting to just you know, bust that cocksucker yeah, cock out. Mm. Um... Yeah, and does. probably saving it for Paul Sheldon. Like, if any, she's gonna call anyone, right? A cocksucker. Yeah, yeah. Because if she was, that would be a word that, it, for as much as she likes him, I'm sure would have come up at some point. Right. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. Like, she does very legitimately fall, at least in her mind, in love with him. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, I think she was him? beforehand. Yeah. Probably yeah. An, an obsession. Can you speak to that at all? Like an obsession with maybe like a writer or an actor or uh, you know, I admire people's work. Yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah. I I might model uh aspects of myself around that. That's pretty, yeah. Um but you hide it well. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> um no, the, I think that um I think at the end of the day, the the one thing that I always ask myself with any movie that we cover is was it scary? Yeah. And I'm trying to remember, it's so hard because all of us have probably seen this movie, you know, however many years ago. Um, has anybody? Is, oh, go ahead and ask your question. I was just going to ask: Has anybody rewatched it recently prior to this? Last night. Okay. Now, two questions. Do you think that it held up well? Yes. Did you think it was scary? Uh, it's. I feel like there's mind fuck, but I didn't find it scary. I think yeah. Reality is very scary normally, but not so much with this. That's yeah, it's not like a jump scare movie. Right. Yeah. It's more in the what what could happen here. Yeah. Because I will say, I'll speak to what you said about it being a little episodic. There are bits in this movie, I don't know if I could sit down and write out the order of events of what happens, you know? Like, bigger stuff I could, but maybe just, like, like the conversation about with the cock duty car. You know, it's like, okay, we're the Rocket Man uh, bit. I mean, now, I watched it, like, twice today, so I could do it now. But just off of watching it, yeah, there there might be some uh, you know specifics that get lost as you go along. Yeah, I'm with her though on that whole uh, the cliffhanger thing. Yeah, on the cliffhanger. Yeah, and then oh, he's out of the car. I would have been with her. I would have been like, I'm going to be this kid's friend. And that happened a lot. She's not falling for this crap. Yeah, that happened a lot. It wasn't just those particular like serials. It was like any movie, any like '80s TV show that would have like somebody literally just ground up in a meat grinder, but then in the ne- next episode, they're just kind of like, oh, God, yeah, yeah sore. I just watched, um, speaking of great movies, you should go back and watch again. I just watched Hudson Hawk last night. Oh, and Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? Fuck yeah! Fuck yeah, Hudson Hawk. Um, there's, a great, there's a great moment where Danny Aiello is in a uh, limousine that careens off of a mountain, explodes, and just like, in a giant fireball. And then at the end, He's still alive, and they're like, wait, you, like, died in that crash, and he's like, oh, the airbags! They're like, what about the fiery explosion? He's like, it's a fucking sprinkler system! You fucking believe this! (laughs) Great. But, anyway, that, that thing, but that is a great example of, and that movie hinges on that type of idea of just, like, 
Because, yeah, we're watching it, and Nancy was like, that one she will watch. And she's like, oh, no, he died. And I'm like, oh, so you think in a movie like this, like, that's going to kill somebody? Like, no. Well, and that whole cliffhanger thing, like, this is, this is what fascinates me about uh, people who actually, I'm not much of a reader, but um, people that actually read books avidly and then uh, watch the films, I think, go through this disappointment often. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, there was an aspect that is just hinted at when they describe these cliffhangers. And what they're alluding to is apparently this, um, I believe it's in Middle Eastern folklore, that there is a female character, um, well, actually, there's a, a male, you know, king, and his wife is Queen Chitar. So he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to marry a new virgin every day, and then I'm going to behead her the next day so that she can't cheat on me. This is a, literally famous in, in Middle Eastern folklore. And so he goes, he burns through all the virgins in the town, and the only one left is the daughter of his personal advisor. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you very much. And um, so she, you know, is in there and she's in the same predicament. And she says, you know, can I say goodbye to my sister and tell her a story? And so he's like, okay, I'll allow it. So she tells a story to her sister, but leaves this cliffhanger. And she's like, and she stops the story. And the king says, well, keep going with the story. And she says, no, no, it's, it's almost dawn. I'm going to be beheaded because that's what you do. Um, and he's like, well, no, no, we'll just continue it for another day. And then that's how she stayed alive was creating these cliffhangers every single night to save her own life. So apparently that's what the character of Paul sees himself as. Oh, okay. Like having the right to stay alive. Yeah. Now, does anybody out there read these romance novels? Like the things that misery are supposed to, to men. I know there's one, but she's being quiet. Okay. <laughs> I just, I just wonder, like with you know the cover with the, the dude and the girl at the leg and his shirts open and it's like, it's like an international male picture. Like remember that? Remember that? Yeah. Harlequin romance. Yeah, yeah. Harlequin romance. Are those are those well written books, Some or are you not reading them for that? Okay. No. Some are. There's no pictures in them. <laughs> right. Pictures yeah. would be good, or very descriptive paragraphs. That's a good point, though, because yeah, that you—it's weird that Stephen King went that route. That's not—that doesn't seem like something he would come up with. Like, oh, this guy's most popular work and the thing that made him a superstar was a 1700s heroine. Well, that's not a stripper. That's not a stripper, right? <laughs> no, a bodice ripper is what those are called. Oh, a bodice it's ripper. Historical romances. Oh. I'm learning a lot about books tonight. I can't wait to come to your podcast about books. Yeah. But every bodice ripper is in close proximity to a stripper. Just, you know. Yeah, that's what I thought that right. was. That's yeah. why I thought that. But the actual you book genre itself is called Bodice Ripper. Yeah. Doc, the doc is saying yes, so yeah. we'll go with that. He doesn't know bones, so, but he knows bodice. bodice ripping. Bodice ripping. Let the bodice hit the floor. <laughs> So hell yeah. <laughs> so um, so here's the thing. Now that I'm glad you brought that up because is Stephen King trying to apologize for the horror books that he writes? I mean, is that what he's? Do you think he feels? Well, ashamed? see, I read a little bit. I read a reason. I like the cocaine allegory. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. But also, I think part of this was he felt trapped. Okay. 
as to what he was forced to write or people wanted him to write and he wanted to do something else, which he never did. Then he was like, actually, wow, I make a ton of money off of this. So I'll just keep doing that. He wrote, I don't know. Well, how many non-horror books did he write? Not many. Well, didn't he want to go into the sci-fi, like the Tower series? Oh, yes, he did have the Dark Tower stuff, yeah. He was trying to push those. But yeah, I mean, he's also post uh, uh, Richard Bachman, where he's doing like three books a year. Yeah. All horror. But yeah, he had started the uh, the Dark Tower series by then. Did you like the Dark Tower series? Yeah, Yeah, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. Uh, Green Mile, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Still had supernatural elements, though, Sam the Green Mile. Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, Shawshank and, yeah, Sam I Mean. Those all came from the same short story collection. Yes. Yeah. Nerds. So that... Nerd. Hell yeah! The nerd nerd. <laughs> yeah, not a fuck yeah, but a hell yeah. It deserves that. Um, so, so, it just, yeah, it just, um... I don't know, it begs the question about Stephen King and film adaptations. Like, obviously this one is, I mean, we can agree is successful. Yeah. Yes. But then we have Maximum Overdrive. This, uh, yeah. Right, and and probably more misses than hits, right? I mean, obviously, uh, the, the hits are huge. Well, I mean, there are, are so many. Right. That It's hard to say. And a lot of them have not had large releases or big budgets. I mean, this movie itself, which was odd, uh, because when Rob Reiner, when it was brought to him, he was like, we'll never get the rights to this. And Stephen King's like, no one has the rights to this. Because he didn't really want anyone to make a movie out of it. But he liked Stand By Me. It was like, yeah, famed horror director Rob Reiner, I'll yes. let you take another one of my stories. So he paid him a dollar. That's all this movie cost as far as rights went was one dollar. Uh, and... Yeah, that was uh, that was as simple as it was to get this movie made for for Rob Reiner. A natural fit for Prince of Darkness, Rob Reiner. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Who was on a like a meteoric rise as far as directing goes? Um, but if you if you look at his filmography, it's crazy because because he he does this. He had just done like when Harry met Sally and um, Princess Bride. Oh, Princess Bride. Thank you. Uh, and he does this, and then immediately the next year is A Few Good Men, which he does not, which gets every Academy Award nomination except Best Director, and he's like, you know what, fuck you guys, I'll show you, I'm making North, and then he has not made a good movie since North, in my opinion. There might be good movies in there, but if you look, I mean, he's made twice as many movies post-North as he does as he did pre-North, I could not tell you one of them off the top of my head. There's some I looked at and I was like, oh, I kind of remember that poster or something, but I don't know if I've seen any Rob Reiner movie post A Few Good Men. I forgot that North existed until you just said it right now. Exactly. Yeah. So here's the question. Is And everyone in that movie went on to success. Elijah Wood and it had a ton of cameos oh, in it. Yeah. But. So if we're going to put this up there amongst some of the good ones, can we all agree on... Is The Shining the best? Is it the best? I mean, doesn't it have to be? It's the oh, best. It's the scariest one. It's yeah, it's yeah. the scariest. It's the one with the most um, icon- iconography. Iconic, Icon. um, like visuals. You got the the twins in the elevator. Yeah. And, uh, it's just blood. Yeah, and, and that's because of the director, though. 
That's not the, yeah, yeah you got you got Shelley Duvall's bitch ash when she's talking to the the doctor. There's like this much ash on the cigarette. The most like suspenseful thing. But that's not a very faithful adaptation of the book. No. So there are two different ways you can go. What's the best thing that is based off of King, or what's the best like that's so actually, which would be probably the dark half. What would you say? Lawnmower Silver Bullet? Lawnmower Man? Lawnmower Man? Yeah, Lawnmower Man's another one. That's even w- way off. There is, except for the word lawnmower, like there is no similarity. Have, have those uh, graphics really held up over the years of Lawnmower Man? I'm going to guess no. <laughs> well, maybe because they were supposed to be in a computer. It's not like outside, like, bl- like blood at the time would look weird. But in there, it's a computer, so why, they, they probably do. I don't know how to do computers. Yeah, yeah, I know. Carrie. Almost Carrie. Yeah, Carrie. Oh, yeah, Carrie. Carrie. Carrie, that's a good one. Cujo's a good one. Yeah. I think you're underselling how good the Stephen King adaptations are. Maybe it's just Maximum Overdrive that's yeah. just ruining it. Maximum Overdrive, uh, Sleepwalkers, uh, Dreamcatcher. Those are the terrible ones. Yeah. yeah. Christine. Yeah, Christine. Oh, The Mist. Mist is incredible. This is great. Yeah. No, the oh. best ending. The Mist is, even Stephen King was like, fuck, I wish I thought of that ending. That was awesome. All that movie needed was just like that, like, Brady Bunch laugh track right at the end. Like, as soon as it ends, just like, uproarious laughter. Yeah. Um, but yeah. If you uh, look at our back catalog, we've actually covered a lot of these movies. Yeah, so. yeah actually, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're kind the of Mist running out carries. of horror movies, really. Yeah, Stephen King. Got yeah. a lot of big... Falking miniseries going yeah. on. We spent one episode pretty much just talking about Commando the entire time. <laughs> Which is valid. Yeah. Woo. Commando? Fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! That's, that's warranted. Um, so, yeah, right. at the, at the end. Let's it to the end. Okay. Cool. So, we, gotta wrap up we always soon. ask each other if we would recommend this. Well, film. not that to the end yet. We gotta talk about the end fight. Oh, okay. The well, yeah, because. The yeah. There's Cause great. He, yeah, because you've got Richard Farnsworth shows up. Because he does finally put it all together. I love his bit in the, he goes to the general store to kind of question the guy. And the guy's like, yeah, actually, she's been buying a lot of paper. And he's like, oh, newspaper? He's like, well, no, the typing kind. And he goes, hmm, typing kind. Nothing unusual about that. As he's like, but it's the best delivery as to, we know he's like, oh, shit, I put it all together. But it is the calmest, like, delivery of, like, not going to let this guy know. Right. <laughs> Danny Wilkes is yeah. Crazy. Crazy, yes. Uh, but yeah, I love the delivery of that. But yeah, he shows up. She kills him because he finds Paul. Do you think he dies from that? Yeah, definitely, yeah. He has a big old hole through his chest. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Which sucks because he's the best character. Oh, he's great. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't. I mean, Annie's a great character, but, no, but it's as far as uh, who I'm not there to see, the best character. Yeah, he's great. But he's got the horniest wife in the world as yes. well. Yes. But he's a really charming guy, though. Yeah. I mean, maybe she's, it's not like that she's super horny, like in and of herself. It's just him. Yeah, she just yeah, loves she just, Yeah, he just pulls that out of her. Yeah. Yeah. They're still together. Well, until he gets shot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's tragic. Yeah. But okay, but there but he is. Fin- yeah, he finishes up the book. Uh, Annie, of course, knows this ritual of, uh, oh, they took it away. Uh, you'll see a bottle of champagne, cigarette. Paul always has a cigarette, bottle of champagne. Great line, too, where he's like, I'm going to need two glasses. She looks so, like, so excited. Yeah. That scene's so great. 
And he's been, through the like montage of him writing, he's also training with the typewriter, like, can I lift the typewriter? So he's building his strength with the typewriter, uh, and he hits her with it, which does no damage. Yeah. But then later, she falls and hits the typewriter in a... The choice they made on this was odd, because it's a definite dummy, but it's a close-up of a dummy with, like, its eyes wide open, like the weirdest, yeah. but no expression on the dummy face. Yeah. So it's just wide-eyed, no expression, but, like, hits it like a piece of plastic. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what just died here, but it wasn't Annie, like, but that thing, whatever it was, died. You know, but yeah, if you pause it just right, it's, it's bad. Yeah. But he does all the right things, because she starts choking him. He goes right for the eyes. Yeah, that's nice. Which is smart. Always, always go right for the eyes. The windows to the soul. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing you'll protect probably the most, apart from your junk. What if? What if they take? What if they take oh, yeah. that uh, him lifting the typewriter and just insert that into like one of the Rocky like training montages? <laughs> Like Stallone just doing like one-handed push-ups and then just James Conn like, Bro! yeah, <laughs> yeah, it needs to be in there. It really does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he's uh, he gets all of the strength that you would think that you would get from yeah. lifting a typewriter. He burns his new book because yeah. she is, of course, makes him burn the new manuscript he wrote because it's got bad language in it, yeah. and she doesn't like it. Yeah, because she hasn't read the new misery yet, right? Before, she, or does she read the new book before she burns his manuscript? Not important. I don't remember. But he then burns the new book. I kind of wanted her to just die from him shoving yes. that book into her mouth. Yeah, but he does like he's that. Like, that felt like such a release from him of like I've been laying down through this entire production and just like. All of us rushed like, you fucking eat it, you fucking psycho, Jesus! Yeah, we need that. Yeah, yeah. I felt it. I was with him right there. Right. Like, I wanted him to feed her every page. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, like, I guess that those two didn't get along very well. So oh, maybe really? it's not all acting right there. Yeah, they did not get along. Huh. James Because they both seem like kind of affable people. I mean, James Conn has uh, passed away now. Yes, but he uh, I, I he didn't have much of a public persona, but he was on Twitter a lot, oddly enough, and would always write kind of nice, funny tweets. And then in a shout out to our own uh, dramaturg, uh, Stan Christensen, who has also passed away, who would end like every uh, like voicemail with end of message. Uh, James Conn <laughs> would end every tweet with end of tweet. Really? Yeah, for some reason. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so no, he and he and Stan, he likes, he likes, yeah, yeah, it was like a unforced like telegraph. Thankfully, he didn't write stop in, <laughs> instead of periods, but he knew to use a period. Right, you should have thrown that into that death scene. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, end of book. <laughs> yeah, right. I hope you like it blackened. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but no, he liked no rehearsal, and she came from theater, so she wanted a lot of rehearsal. And it, it created a lot of conflict there. But, I mean, it works for the movie. Okay. Yeah. I think they got to I think that, that might also be why this movie works so well for her, because it is, as we can see, works well as a stage show. Yeah. And she... Did you know that they wrote, you know, the show Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune? That part was written for her. 
as the, do you know that story? Did you see the movie with uh, uh, Al Pacino and um, Michelle, Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah. Did I, was I in that play? <laughs> no. no. I didn't see it, no. Well, it's if you saw the movie. But that was the, another insulting thing where they took this play where they, he wrote the part specifically for Kathy Bates as a frumpy, fat, kind of unattractive person. And then Hollywood was like, yeah, let's remake that. We'll get Michelle Pfeiffer. Ah. Yeah, that's, they're different. Yeah, they're very different. Those people. Yeah. yeah. Kathy Bates, Kathy better Bates. actress. Yeah. And if you, like notice, if you notice, like everybody, like, I think she, that was probably kind of traumatic for her because everybody was just commenting on her being like so plain of appearance. Like, yeah. Like, look at this non-attractive woman. Well, I think it takes a lot of balls to have your big break. Like the first shot you see of her is this super unflattering, like, from under, you get the double chins, and yeah. she's just like looking down at him. Like it's a very unflattering reveal of your future Academy Award winner. But you know what? Nice full lips. Did you notice that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Really? Like a nice. I noticed several times in this where I was like, Kathy Bates is kind of bringing it, and I, I think she's kind of hot in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She's got very kind eyes. Her smile is very genuine. Yeah. Is uh, Kathy Bates just too hot to play Manny Wilkes? <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's now, yeah. yeah. Right. Once I saw about Schmidt. Yeah. yeah, about Schmidt. Check it out. You yeah, just Google Kathy Bates about Schmidt. It's like, you don't yeah. really need to watch the movie itself. She's naked in it. Okay. It's great. Yeah, just uh, Google Kathy Bates lips. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, uh, so, misery. Um... Would you recommend this film? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I love this movie. I have a, like, my history with this, that was, I was going to ask you briefly what your history was with this movie, because when I, this came out, I was like 13 years old, I actually worked across the street from a, a video rental place, but you couldn't reserve movies there. It was not Blockbuster, so you couldn't reserve a movie at this box office video for old Valvo people. Couldn't reserve a movie there, so I would literally go in every day during my lunch break and I would get there I'd be like anyone return a copy of Misery yet? They'd be like nope and then I would stand in there for my full lunch break in hopes that during that hour someone would return a copy so that I could then watch it. Which I finally got my hands on it and loved it. I, I used to watch this a lot. I hadn't seen it in a long time. You feel kind of a personal connection with the character of Annie Wilkes? Like... Just standing there waiting for somebody to return yeah, the film. a little bit, yeah. Like starving yourself from, like, eating lunch. Yeah. Just waiting for somebody to vending machines. You yeah. know, grab a hot bean and franks out of the vending machine. <laughs> totally normal behavior. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, expired five years prior. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I totally recommend it. What, so what's your history? I, uh, well, my history, gosh, I, you know, I think I just saw it like anybody else. I don't remember seeing it in the theater. Um, but I mean, it was, I don't even remember what would have prompted me to see it because it wasn't really my flavor of horror films. Right. You know, I like things that are a little bit more, you know, juicy. Yes. <laughs> Someone say juicy. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They must yeah. know you. Yeah. I like it juicy. Well, yeah. Uh, and, uh, this was a little different than that. So I think I just happened to catch it like, um, just sort of uh, in happenstance. But the thing about this film, whether it was my flavor or not, or the genre that I, or the, the subgenre that I like or not, 
these performances are just, you, you can't ignore them. I mean, it's, it's that excellent of a film, that just brilliantly portrayed. I mean, even, like, every, Kathy Bates gets so much credit, she deserves every bit of it. But the things that James Caan does just with his eyes, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, obviously the guy doesn't get to hop around a lot and, you know, show himself off physically, but uh, you can read everything in his face. Even when he's faking it to her, but we know what's really going on, it's an excellent job. And I don't know if James Caan really gets talked about as a fantastic actor. He gets talked about as a guy that's in a lot of very important films and everybody knows him, but I think this movie really absolutely solidified the fact that that guy is was extremely talented. Yeah. And I'm glad that none of those other guys did. I can't picture anybody else but him in it. I mean, I th I'm sure somebody else could have, but I think he was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, I'm a, like apparently, like I'm really into James Caan. That's the answer to your he's, question. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Like, yeah, he, I agree though. He is kind of one of the the big hitters that people kind of forget about. Yeah, because uh, he doesn't. He didn't do a lot of like. He didn't have like a franchise he could hang his hat on, or you know, no big. A lot of his great roles were like supporting roles. Sure. Yeah, but his kid sucks. So everybody <laughs> out there. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing the answer to this, but do you recommend the film Misery? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyone not recommend this movie? Right on. Dead silence. They left already. Just like we're used to. What? They left already. <laughs> yeah, they did. Why would they show up for this? Yeah, that, yeah. yeah it's it's just for that fucking piece of shit? Right. Thank you. <laughs> Only cocksuckers like that movie. <laughs> yeah. But it, was a, but it was a mind fuck, though. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. 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 Misery, uh, mindfuck. Yeah, if it had a uh, that colon name, <laughs> right. like uh, movies with like Richard Grieco have. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> how did, how did you avoid being obsessed with Richard Grieco? Seems right up your alley. Well, Johnny Depp was right there. It was well, yeah, he's kind of the yeah bargain bin Johnny Depp. <laughs> Grieco did have that widow's peak though. Like he had, he had nice hair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if looks could kill is actually a really good movie. I liked him a lot in that movie. You've seen a Richard Richard Rico? Fuck yeah. Looks okay. Good Kill is great. Yeah. Did you like stand in line at lunch every day just waiting for somebody to <laughs> No, that one I got to see in the theater. Feed you your what? daily, you know, appetite. I didn't need my Rico. parents' permission to go see If Looks Could Kill, starring Richard Grieco, where he's confused for a super agent. Where they were that was that like, old that old line. A little too hot. What? I mean, was it just a little too hot? Like you had to ask your parents permission. Well, it was rated R. Oh, okay. misery was. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't. Again, like I said, I couldn't, couldn't do that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it was seen as a horror movie. Did and Gene Siskel like this movie? Uh, Gene Siskel? Yeah, I didn't have. Well, fuck that guy, number one. But <laughs> I, all that stuff. My cousin stuff. Michelle but, went on a date with him in the eighties. Who did? Who? My cousin Michelle Shire went on a date with Gene Siskel in the eighties. Oh man. What What was her I name hope, again? Yeah. Michelle Shire. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she's she great. We love her. Did she, yeah, did she say she got a thumbs up? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's a good place to end that one. Uh -huh. All right, so that was Misery from 1990. This is going to wrap up our big Fall King miniseries. Even though there are five Mondays in October, but we were like, you know what? It's time. Because what's next Monday? Halloween. So we'll be covering... From 1978, Halloween. Woo! Fuck yeah! I can't wait. And Lord knows we need it after Halloween ends. Now,
hold on. Anyone here seen A, just like the new trilogy, or more specifically, Halloween Ends? Not yes. yet. Yeah? Not Halloween Ends? Did you guys like garbage. it? Well, Halloween Ends? Sorry. I'm going to tell you what. kind of liked it. Yeah. Oh my kind of liked it. Oh I watched the whole trilogy this weekend in preparation. Uh, Halloween Ends might be the third or fourth best Halloween movie. That's not saying a lot, because a lot of those movies are trash. But that's going to be a fun yeah, Way better than Kills. I was watching Kills, and I got halfway through, and I'm like, you know, if they didn't say Evil Dies Tonight a hundred times, this actually might be decent. And then, like, the last half, I was like, oh, this is absolute crap. There's no redeeming uh, value to this at all. Well, if you like Halloween Ends, like, that next episode will recover. Yeah, I said kind of liked it. I said kind of. Okay. I didn't think it was trash. Well, yeah, we'll definitely talk about That'll it. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, guys, everyone, please, uh, thank you so much for uh, coming out to the show. Thank you. Uh, give yourselves a big round of applause like you are, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, yeah, check out our, you know, we've got like an Instagram and a YouTube page. We did an interview with Justin Long. That's up there. That was a lot of fun to do. So, yeah, uh, if you haven't heard our show before, please check us out. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe, and all that uh, garbage. And fucking Donna Henry is here. I love her so much. And, you, uh, and we're done, right? No, no, no we're not done. Oh, yeah, we're doing the costume contest, judging. But our oh, show okay. section is done. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, Tim, I guess I'll see you when we do uh, uh, Halloween. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I hope your, your color is not so hectic. As a line. Oh, like yeah. Right, right, I forgot yes. that. That fucked it up. I, I just, oh, I, yeah. I assume you were going to say cocksucker somewhere. Yeah,